Every week we take an offering. It's just a way to pay for what we do here at Women's Ministry. It pays for tech, childcare, books. Please feel no obligation to give, uh, but it's something if you want to contribute, uh, we greatly appreciate your generosity. Uh, and last but not least, uh, our conference is coming up. I'm so excited for it. You guys, we got March 24th and 25th. It's going to be a Friday night and a Saturday morning until 2. Uh, and this is our chance to gather as women. Uh, we have so many amazing workshops planned for you. We have amazing basket raffle prizes uh, to donate and raise money for the kingdom. So if you want to win a beach house on the ocean in Monterey, uh, you're going to want to be there. I'm putting all my tickets in for that. Um, but we want you to gather because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want that unleashed in every single one of our lives because we cannot live without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to invite you to that. If you are somebody who's nodding at me and you're like, yeah, I'm going, and you haven't signed up yet, I want to encourage you. It helps us so much if you sign up. Last year, we had 200 women, women sign up in the last five days, which is we love when women come, but we weren't really prepared for those 200 women, and we have to scramble and double order supplies. So if you know that you're coming, uh, we want to invite you to sign up, and we do not want money to be the reason that you're not coming. So if finances are tight in this season, please reach out to someone on our team. Uh, and if you're someone who's like, hey, this is a season of abundance for us, I'd love to scholarship somebody, uh, you can either sign on online and just donate in the scholarship fund, or you can tell me or Tanya or Jill and say, hey, I really want to give a scholarship so a woman who maybe can't afford it in this season can come. So sign up for that today. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I have the privilege of introducing my dear, dear friend, sweet <laughs> Tanya, up to the stage to teach today. <laughs> Woo! Yay, Tanya. Thank you. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I'm glad to be here today. And to those of you who are joining us online, I am so blessed to be with you. Welcome. Hope you get something out of today. I know you will because God's word is never void. So, um, But I want to start off this morning uh, with a quick question. Has anyone in here seen the movie A Preacher's Wife? Anybody familiar with that movie? So it's for those who aren't, The Preacher's Wife is a movie that's um, based in the holiday season. It stars Denzel Washington and Whitney Houston. And it's a story about a um, kind of debonair angel who is sent down to earth to help this struggling pastor and his family. And it's a really cute movie. It kind of mimics a little bit of Wonderful Life, um, but it's a, really, it's a really cute tale. But they have a son in the movie. He's about five or six years old. And he has this kind of really profound line in the movie. And it goes something like this. His name is Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, just because you can't see the air, it doesn't keep you from breathing. Just because you can't see God doesn't keep you from believing. Today we're going to talk a little bit about believing. As I read through chapter 14 and in our study guide, we were um, kind of tasked, our application was praying the scripture, right? So as we read God's word, pray and ask God to show us what did he want to speak to us through his word this week. And as I did that, the word believe was highlighted for me over and over again. 
I, I did a little research um, since I knew I was going to stand up in front of you guys. Uh, <laughs> so the word believe is actually in the Bible something like close to 250 times, depending on the translation you're reading from. In the book of John alone, a hundred of those times, he uses the word believe. And I think that's purposeful. Um, the word believe, according to the dictionary, means to accept something as true and feel the truth of. To have confidence in the truth, the existence, or the, re or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof that one is right in doing so. Nielsen's Bible dictionary says it this way. Belief is to place one's trust in God's truth. When I think of the word believe, I feel like it's kind of an overused word in our society these days that it has lost some of its, its power because to believe something is a really strong, is a really strong word. It really, takes a really strong stance. And somehow I feel like we use it so often that it doesn't always carry the impact that it should. Um, but the word believe is essential to our faith because what we believe, and maybe most importantly, who we believe in, determines who we are, how we see ourselves, and where we're going. Those of us who are Christ followers even call ourselves believers, but are we even conscious of what that means? What do we believe and who do we believe? So today we're going to talk about three essential truths that are anchors for what we believe. But before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful, thankful to, to be able to gather together, thankful for you and all that you do for us, Father God, but mostly just because of who you are. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to inhabit this space. Would you have your way in our midst? That when I open my mouth, you would be the one that fills it. That you would direct, guide, and, and just lead today, Lord God, in whatever direction you would have it to go. I pray for less of me and more of you. And I pray that your heart, that your word will go to the hearts of those to where you send it, Father. I thank you for this time together, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the worship in Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter 3, I'm, I'm, I love the book of John. I think most of us do. Um, but because it, it has so much in it, and just the way John talks about Jesus I mean, how could you not fall in love with him? But chapter 13 ends with Jesus laying some hard truths to the disciples. He has told them one of them is going to betray him. He told Peter, you're going to deny me three times before, you know, the crow, before the morning comes or the crow the crow crowds or whatever the crow does. Um, <laughs> whatever the crow does. Um, and then I think the biggest of all was that he was leaving them. And it wasn't the first time he had said that. I mean, he had been preparing them all along. But 
I think it was sinking in. And they were really coming to terms with, this was not what we thought it was going to be. You know, they knew Jesus as the Messiah already, right? They knew who he was. So with him telling them that he's leaving them, that wasn't, that wasn't what they thought this was going to look like. So when I put myself in their shoes, I could understand why their hearts would be troubled. <laughs> I can understand why they would be feeling like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We were just gearing up and you're, you're leaving? What's going on? What's po- what's, what's, this is impossible. So when we open up chapter 14, we start off with these words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there. I I would have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas interrupts Jesus. Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know me, and you have seen me. Okay, in these seven verses, there's so much. (laughs) We could probably talk for a couple of weeks just on these passages. But I could kind of relate to where Thomas is coming from. Thomas is trying to figure out, you know, in his mind, he was called Doubting Thomas, right? That's how they referred to him. And I think in his mind, he had set up what God's kingdom was going to look like. And what Jesus was saying to him at this point is not what he had thought this was supposed to look like. So he's scrambling. He's like, Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way there. But Jesus says so succinctly, I am the way. You don't need to know. You just need to know me. And as he talks about that, that leads us to our first anchor, And our first anchor is believing in Jesus. Do we believe in Jesus? When trouble comes, in who do you believe? Jesus starts off this chapter with the command because believe is a verb. So he's commanding them, believe in God, believe also in me. He was speaking to the disciples, but he was speaking to me too. Because like he was doing with the disciples, he is interrupting my plans, my thoughts, and my idea of what life is supposed to look like. I don't always understand what God is doing or why he's taking this route to do what he's doing. I'm often troubled (laughs) and confused. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, but the truth of it is, whether I understand it or not, this is a command to believe him. Hebrews 11.6 says this, 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to believe who he is and believe him. When he tells us not to focus on the storm, he tells us to focus on him. Will we do that? The disciples were already convinced that he was the Messiah, like I said before, because they had already been sent out. They were using Jesus's, uh, the authority of Jesus' name. They were casting out you know, demons. They were healing people, praying for people to be healed. So the belief, they knew who he was. They already knew that. They had been living with him. They were up close and personal with Jesus. So I believe when he's telling them to believe in me, he was just refocusing them to who they already knew him to be. They were asking him, his ask of them was a personal one. It was based off of the relationship that they had already developed. It was not just about knowing someone, but it was about you know me. So honestly, when I have doubted, when I look at my life and there's been times that I have doubted, it was either because I didn't really know God or I had forgotten who I was believing in. When someone in your life tells you, a friend, a really close friend, a parent, when they tell you something, you either believe them because of the source or you don't believe them because of the source. <laughs> but it's that person's track record and your relationship with them determines how you will believe what they're saying. Growing up, there were lots of disappointments. I didn't always believe those around me. I didn't, I didn't believe that what they said they would do, they would do because their track record was shady. That carried into my relationship with God. As a new Christian, I really wanted to believe him, but I struggled. I struggled because I didn't want to be let down. I didn't know him, and therefore I wasn't sure I could take him at his word. But as I began to grow in my relationship with Jesus, the ability to trust his words and his love for me is helping me to believe in him. And I say is helping me because it's ongoing. To believe he sees and cares about me personally is, 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 has been a, a foundational change in my walk with Christ. We can all fully believe that Jesus will never let us down because he loves us. And even when I look back on my life for those times that felt like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what this is going to look like on the other side. I'm on the other side. <laughs> he did what he needed to do, even if it didn't look like what I thought it should look like. In Romans 10:11, God's word says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. He is trustworthy, and we can believe in him. Uh, I came across this story that I thought was a really good um, illustration. It talks about a missionary. His name is John Patton. 
and he was translating scriptures for South Sea Islanders. Apparently, as he was translating the word of God into their native tongue, he couldn't find an appropriate word for the word believe. And he struggled and struggled, and he was really baffled of how to convey that to them in a way that they could understand. And one day, um, one of the, someone came into his office, one of the natives came into his office, and he said he flung himself into a chair and propped his legs up on another chair and just really leaned back into the chair. He laid back full length. And the guy said something about how good it was to lean his whole weight on those chairs. Instantly, the doctor knew that was the right word to use for believe, to lean his whole weight on. He had his word, and he used it after that to translate the scriptures. You have to really trust something to lean your whole weight on it. I know I do. <laughs> so as we talk about this word believe throughout this talk, I would love for you to have that image in your mind. Can you lean your whole weight on him? As Jesus is preparing them, his words are also meant to comfort them, to assure them that even though he is leaving, he's preparing a place for them, for us to be with him because he has always been with us. His leave, he's leaving them, but he's also preparing them that he's going to be with them forever. You know, as I read Jesus' word telling them that to not let their hearts be troubled, it's, it sounds easy coming from him. It sounds easy coming from Jesus' mouth because it's like, I'm reading it like, what, I don't know how many thousands of years later, and it's like, of course, Jesus is saying, don't worry, I got you, you're good. But if I'm honest in my life, it's hard to obey those words. When life is sends you something crushing, news that feels life-altering, it's very difficult not to have a troubled heart. In 2015, my husband had a routine annual wellness examination, and in one of his labs, they found something. You know that we found something? Like, <laughs> so he was sent for further testing, and we found out he had colon cancer. My heart was troubled. My head was too. And, um, you know, I always say this can be a very dangerous place. <laughs> when I stay up here, this, what ruminates up here is not always the word of God. So as I... Um, as we went through this process, because whenever you hear the word cancer, um, it's, a hard, it's a hard word to hear. It's a hard thing to comprehend. And although it took us by surprise, I knew it hadn't taken Jesus by surprise. So once I had my freak out moments, a few of them, I came back to these words. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God. I went to God's word to help me during those times, and they were hard times. I doubted. There were times that I doubted. I was scared. 
I didn't know, could I really trust his word this time? Was it really gonna be okay? Like I wanted it to be okay. But what I knew is that God is a man that he cannot lie. And it came down to me really filling my heart with his word. And I wrestled with the question that I had wrestled with in the beginning of my walk with him. It's the same thing. Tanya, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus really loves you? Do you believe he can do anything? Do you believe in Jesus no matter what the outcome is? Tanya, in who are you believing? As we walk through all the testing and the surgery and treatment plan, there were plenty of times that I didn't know if I could really lean my whole weight on Jesus. But thankfully, in those times, I asked for his help to trust and to believe, and he'd even help my unbelief. For it came down to this. My belief couldn't just be based on the diagnosis, the doctor, the plan. It had to be based on Jesus himself. It had to be based on the fact that the Almighty knew what, he's, what his will and what his plan was to do. And no matter what the outcome was, I could trust and believe that Jesus loves me. That was seven years ago, and his, he's been cancer-free since. <clears throat> yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's a continuing decision to trust God. It's a continual um, coming back to God and believing in him, no matter what it looks like. Friends, I don't know what it is for you today. Maybe it's a health diagnosis as well, a child in peril, a job or financial crisis. But whatever it is, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Jesus, because he is the God with us. And I want to say one other thing. You know, sometimes we can be seeking God for an answer to prayer and thinking that that means if he answers that prayer exactly like I prayed it, that means that he heard me, that means that he loves me. But there's a difference between believing for an answer to a prayer and believing in God himself. One is relational, the other is transactional. Let's continue reading in verse 12. Verily, ver uh, verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands." And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. I love that name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. 
for he lives with you and will be in you. And that's the truth for every one of us if you're a Christ follower. So our second anchor is the spirit of truth. Verses 15 through 16 say, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And the word advocate there, another, the, another word for the word advocate there is comforter or encourager. And I actually like that comforter word if, even better as a description. And he's going to be with us and help us forever. Do you believe in the spirit of truth? Is he your comforter, your friend, your counselor? It's easy to read those words and think, Jesus is the Messiah. The disciples must have believed this. Look at what you've experienced in God's presence. They have seen him do miraculous things. You know, the, at the end of the book of John, John says something like, you know, if all the things that Jesus did while he was, you know, walking the earth, it couldn't be contained in all the libraries and all the books and all the, you know, in the world. So he was busy. He was doing a lot of things. They saw and experienced him fully but still they questioned. Sometimes I doubt too. Despite how we might feel and sometimes understand, we still have to choose to believe in Jesus. Um, sometimes, okay, so sometimes I'm wanting just one more confirmation. Is that true of any of you? <laughs> sometimes I'm asking God to just want, can you reveal one more thing? Give me one more word, a prophecy. You know, can you, can you affirm this one more time? I'm looking for those signs and wonders. And Jesus is saying, it's not about the signs and wonders. It's about where is your belief? Are you believing in me? So this is the first time that Jesus actually introduces us to the Holy Spirit in that way. And I, I love the way it, call, it says that he calls him another advocate. I don't know if you caught that. Because he is our advocate. And that word another means ex the another of the same kind. So he is Jesus. That's Jesus' spirit. That's what he's telling us. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I've made preparations for you to be taken care of and to be taken care of forever. He will be with us forever. Jesus is not leaving us alone, but he's making sure that we have the help that we need. And he does that by giving us his very own spirit. That's really a big deal. <laughs> um, there's this illustration that I love the way it talks about the Holy Spirit and how we can experience him in our own lives. It says, the Spirit leads us into truth and comforts us even when we are confused, angry, upset, or struggling with sin. One of the ways to help a baby fall back to sleep is to put your hand on her chest, and while she lies in her bassinet and struggles to sleep, maybe because she's fear of being alone, Maybe there's gas issues <laughs> or a scratchy onesie. 
But just a gentle hand pressed on her chest is enough sometimes to calm her. She may not be able to see you, but she can feel your presence and fall back to sleep knowing that you are near. The spirit acts as a comforter in that same way with us. We may not be able to see him, but we can feel him and we can know that he is close to us. When faced with difficulty, what do you do for comfort? Is it your friends, social media, your spouse? Where do you go for comfort before you go to the comforter? Do you believe the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, can and wants to comfort you? Don't get me wrong. It's great to have support systems and people around you, friends and family, but they can't take the place of the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, the spirit of truth. Let's read further in verses 25, starting at verses 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Again, reassuring and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens. He's forewarning them, he's telling them because he cares about them. So when it does happen, you will believe. Our third anchor is Jesus' peace. He said he's giving us his peace. So I ask you, where does your peace come from? I ask this because we can seek peace in a lot of different ways. You know, some of us might seek it in a slice of dark chocolate cake with a little butter pecan ice cream on top. I'm just saying, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> could be online shopping, um, three, four, five glasses of wine, I don't know, people, places. But that type of peace is really just momentary. You know, it's just, it's not consistent. It's conditional. But Jesus' peace and what he's offering is something lasting. It's not something that's coming from the outside. It's something that is within. It's something that you can take with you no matter what's going on in your life. I came across this article that kind of did a comparison of what peace in the world looks like versus peace in Christ. And I won't go through the whole list, but I, I'm going to pull out a couple that I thought were really interesting. So peace in the world can look like this. You can't find peace in, during difficulties. That's what peace in the world says. But peace in Christ says you can have peace even in the midst of trials. Peace in the world says 
if there's peace is not the absence of is the absence of war. Sorry about that. Peace is the absence of war. But in Christ, peace can be found in any circumstance, even in war. Another thing it says is that admitting your faults and weakness does not bring peace. That's according to the world. But according to Christ, sincere repentance brings peace. The very beauty of the word repentance is the promise of escaping old problems, old sorrows, old sins, and it is one of the most encouraging and, yes, peaceful words. It's not a peace that we have to try to obtain. It's not about getting God's peace, doing this thing. It's a gift. It's a gift that he gives to all who believe in him. So when he says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, it's because he has the remedy for that. The remedy is him. It's his peace. Will you believe him? His only ask of us is to believe. His only ask is, Tanya, Will you be believing in me? Our believing is not based on understanding everything, and I think to the contrary, <laughs> actually. But it does require a decision on our behalf. It requires a decision to believe God no matter what we're faced with, no matter what we're looking at. You know, I was thought about the, the time when the disciples were on the boat with Jesus and that storm came in. And they're on the boat with Jesus, right? And, you know, Jesus wasn't about to perish at that time, but everybody was upset and scared and fearful. And he spoke to that storm, he spoke to that storm because there's not, there was nothing greater that was going to happen to them in Jesus' presence. So even though they were scared by what they saw around them, they had the Prince of Peace with them. They had the protector with them. All they needed to do was believe. So as we start to close down... <clears throat> I want to ask you these questions. If we can take a moment to bow our heads and close our eyes and just be quiet. Is there anything keeping you from believing in him? Fear? Doubt? Disappointment? Let's just take a moment and we can confess those things to him and we can ask him to help us to believe. And while your eyes are closed, 
before I close in prayer, I want to speak to the woman who may be like me <clears throat> and finds it hard to believe at times. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. His plans are not to harm me and they're not to harm you, even when they don't look like we may have hoped and prayed. Believing in him despite the circumstances because he is not confined to circumstances. And even when we find it hard to believe, we can ask Jesus, just like <clears throat> the man who was desperate, desperate to have his child healed from the spirit that had been oppressing him. He said to Jesus, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Father God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to share your word today. I thank you, Lord God, that you will just continue, continue to show yourself to us, continue to help us in the places that we struggle with believing in you. It's not because we don't know you're good. It's not because we don't know who you are, Father God. But sometimes we're frail, sometimes we're weak, sometimes we struggle, but you know that already. Thank you for your kindness, your grace, and your mercy that you extend to us. Thank you for the hope that you present to us on a daily basis, that we don't have to do any of this in our own strength, any of this alone, that you will always be with us and that you would even provide and equip us with everything we need. So we accept your gifts and we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Jesus.